If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. felt it just like every generation before you, a yearning for more than this world can offer, something that can only be fulfilled in heaven. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why God created mankind with this deep, universal longing for heaven. From his series on God's love, here's David with the conclusion of God loves you and wants you with him forever. And thank you for joining us. I hope you've been able to be with us throughout this whole series on the love of God. It's one of my favorite series ever to have taught. I wrote a book about it some years ago. In fact, you can get that book from davidjeremiah.org. It has a study guide that accompanies it along with a set of CDs and DVDs. And uh, that will fill in all the empty places that uh, we haven't been able to take care of on the radio because of uh, time limitations. It will also give you a record of everything I've said with all the footnotes and illustrations. Most of all, it's a great curriculum for a small group. If you're not using Turning Point resources for small groups, they've been kind of created for that purpose. The study guides are available for all the people in your group. You take the book and read it. Read all of the study guide material ahead of time if you want to listen to the messages that go with that particular day. And then go into a Bible study and be prepared to facilitate a robust discussion about the love of God. You can talk about a lot of things in small groups, but I can't think of anything better than a 10-week discussion on God's love for people today. Oh, how they need to know that that is true. Well, today we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday as we talk about this truth that God loves you and he wants you with him forever. God is a loving father and he wants you to be with him and he doesn't want you to miss heaven. I don't either. I want you to be in heaven. So listen carefully as we continue our discussion today around this theme. The Bible says that in heaven there's fullness of joy, there's the path of life, and there is pleasure forevermore. Heaven is going to be a pleasurable place. Let me put it down where you can grab it. Heaven's going to be fun. Huckleberry Finn didn't think so. In the opening chapter of Mark Twain's classic, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Huck is living with a spinster. She's a starchy, crabby old woman who has determined in her life that her one objective is to transform Huckleberry Finn. And she's going to beat the wildness out of him and fill him full of manners. And the chief way she plans to do this is with religion. So she bludgeons him with Bible verses and she threatens him with hell and she coaxes him with heaven. And in his streetwise cocky way, Huck tells us what he thinks of all that. He says, she went on and told me all about the good place. She said all a buddy would have to do to go there and just go around all day with a harp and sing forever. And I didn't think much of it. And I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there. And she said, not by a considerable sight. And I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. (laughs) 
When you mention heaven to someone who's not a Christian, let me tell you what their reaction is. And I'll even tell you how it comes out. It comes out like this. Boring. Heaven's going to be boring. I need to tell you, heaven is not going to be boring. Mark Buchanan is a writer that I've read some, and he admits to the fear that heaven might be the extension of modern-day boring church services. In one of his books, he writes, I assume that you're like me. I can get itchy-skinned and scratchy-throated after an hour or so of church. I can get distracted and cranky when it goes too long. My feet ache, my backside numbs, my eyes glaze, my mind fogs, my belly growls. I find myself fighting back yawns and then not fighting them back. Letting them gape and roar, a signal to my oppressors, let my people go. (laughs) And I'm the pastor. (laughs) Unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who believe that heaven will be boring. All we'll do forever is drum harps and float on clouds and polish the streets of gold. But heaven will not be boring, and I want to tell you why. The greatest book on heaven that's been written in my lifetime was written by a guy named Randy Alcorn, and just has the title Heaven. And this is what he says about this whole boring thing. He says, our belief that heaven will be boring betrays a heresy, that God is boring. And there is no greater nonsense. Now think about this. Your desire, my desire for pleasure and the experience of joy come directly from God's hand. He made our taste buds. He created adrenaline. He gave us our sex drives and the nerve endings that convey pleasure to our brains. Our imaginations and our capacity for joy and exhilaration were made by the very God we accuse of being boring. Are we so arrogant that we imagine that as human beings, we came up with fun? Added to the fact that God will not be boring is this amazing truth. Sit up and listen. It's true whether you believe it or not. In heaven, you won't be boring. I know that's going to take more faith than what I said about God. But let me tell you something. The Bible teaches that. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be boring either. You know why? The Bible says before you get there, you're going to have a complete extreme makeover. Amen? Amen. The Bible says we're going to be made like unto him. All the things in you that are boring are going to be gone. And when you get to heaven, it's going to be life at the greatest. Everything in heaven will be the absolute opposite of boring. I don't know where we get these ideas, but... When you have people come up and tell you that heaven's going to be boring, you just tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they even go further. And sometimes you hear people say this, I don't want to go to heaven and be bored every day. I'd rather be with all my friends and party forever and ever. And that's just another one of the devil's lies. Because you see, hell is not a place of fun and games where we spend forever drinking with our old buddies. Hell will have no community and no camaraderie and no friendships In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, we read these words about people who go there. It says, they will be punished with everlasting destruction. Now, here's the worst part. And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. 
Think about what it would be like to be locked up in solitary confinement forever and ever and never again to have any friendships or relationships with anyone anywhere. Think about being left alone for eternity with your thoughts and your regrets and your memories and your missed opportunities. When the rich man is seen in Hades in Luke chapter 16, the Bible tells us he is alone. He's by himself. So don't let anybody come with that crazy nonsense. Oh, you guys go to heaven where it's going to be boring and we're going to the other place and we're going to party forever and ever. I promise you the first moment you spend in hell, you will know how absolutely stupid and ridiculous such a thought is. That's not where joy is to be found. Joy is to be found in the presence of the one who made you, who created you for joy, who created you to be filled with rejoicing and pleasure. That's the God we serve, and he's created a place where you can know that to its fullest. And if you miss it, there's no other place where that can be found. Heaven's a place of ultimate residence and ultimate rejoicing. It's also a place of ultimate recognition says in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see in a mirror, but then face to face, we know in part now, but then we will know as we are known. Here's the question people ask me. Pastor Jeremiah, are we gonna know each other in heaven? Absolutely. When you go to heaven, you don't lose your identity, your personality, your DNA, who you are. In fact, if you study the Lord Jesus Christ who went through the process we're going to go through before he went back to heaven, You discover that after his resurrection, his disciples all knew who he was. They knew he was the same Jesus they had known before the cross and the burial and the resurrection. And they were so certain about this, they went to their graves defending it. When Moses and Elijah appeared out of heaven to stand with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples with Christ recognized Moses and Elijah. Oh, when you get to heaven, you're going to know each other all right. Matthew 8, 11 says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They're going to know each other, and we're going to know each other. When you get to heaven, you're going to know your parents and your children. You're going to know your brothers and your sisters. You're going to know the people that you grew up knowing, the people that were in the church you attended. And you're going to know so many more, as we'll learn in a moment. But you don't lose your memory when you go to heaven any more than Jesus lost his memory after his resurrection. When you get to heaven, it's the ultimate place of recognition. In fact, in a lady in Tony Evans' church once asked him, if you would know each other in heaven, he said, you won't know each other till you get to heaven the way you really should know each other. Because down here we have all these masks and all these things we use to cover up who we really are. But when you get to heaven, all that stuff will be gone and you'll be able to see the beauty that's in each one of us that God has put there before we started to tamper with it. Heaven is the ultimate place of residence and the ultimate place of rejoicing and the ultimate place of recognition. But it's also the place of ultimate relationships. In heaven, we're going to have relationships with one another. Hebrews 12 tells us about some of the people who are going to be in heaven. Notice Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, or to heaven, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's quite a list. 
The Bible says basically all the people that have been saved, the angels, God himself, everybody's going to be there. And you've come to that place. And you're going to have relationships with people in heaven. I often think about this because, you know, there's lots of folks that I've met in this life that I've become friends with and I enjoy being with them. But I'm a reader and I live in my library a lot and I read and and I actually get to know people who aren't here anymore, who lived before I lived. They lived in a different time. And I get to know a lot about them almost as if I could have fellowship with them, but I can't because they're dead. They're gone. But in heaven, we're all going to be together and it will be possible for us to fellowship with people who lived at times other than when we lived. And I have some great, great thoughts about that. I mean, I'd like to meet Daniel and Joseph and David, those three people from the Old Testament that are my favorite Old Testament characters. I've preached on them and now they can tell me how much I got wrong when I see them. (laughs) I'd like to meet Jabez and ask him if he ever dreamed Bruce Wilkinson would make him so famous. I'd love to cultivate a relationship with Paul the Apostle and John the Beloved. And I owe a lot to men like C.S. Lewis, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Andrew Murray, A.W. Tozer, whose books I've read, whose words I've quoted, whose testimony has so shaped my life. And when I get to heaven, I'll get to meet them and fellowship with them. And there will never be any time constrictions. I can have lunch with them and it could last for two or three months and they're still, see, there won't be any time. You never run out of time in heaven. You'll be able to cultivate all the relationships. But I want to tell you something, as great as all of that will be, it all pales into insignificance when you realize that the privilege of heaven is not just the people you get to meet there, but living in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and living in fellowship with him. Heaven's going to be a place of ultimate residence and rejoicing and recognition and relationships, but it's also going to be a place of ultimate responsibility. Matthew 25 says, when we get to heaven, we're going to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now, it doesn't end there. Notice the rest of it. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. When we get to heaven, we're going to serve the Lord. For years, I have been collecting the sayings that people put on their tombstones. Here's one that expresses what some people think about heaven. Here lies a poor woman who always was tired. She lived in a place where help wasn't hired. Her last words on earth were, Dear friends, I am going, where washing ain't done, nor sweeping, nor sewing. And everything there is exact to my wishes, For there they don't eat, there's no washing of dishes. Don't weep for me now, don't weep for me ever. I'm going to do nothing forever and ever. That's what she thinks heaven's all about. (laughs) But it won't be like that. If you read the book of Revelation, I want you to notice over and over again in that book, all the times you read about the servants of the Lord. In heaven, we're going to be his servants. We're going to serve him. Revelation 22.3 says, There will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And when we serve him in heaven, it will be, oh, so unbelievably great. Imagine working in an environment free from restrictions of time and money and selfishness and greed and sickness and tiredness and laziness and pain and frustration and even mistakes. How incredibly satisfying and rewarding it will be to serve in heaven 
doing what you love to do with people you love to be with and all for the glory of God. That's how we'll spend eternity in the Father's house. There will never be a boring day. You know what? I'm kind of encouraged by that. I'm sure you've noticed this. I love the work that God has given me to do. I can't imagine a life with no goals, a life with no work to do, a life with no projects. I mean, that's how I've lived my whole life. And when I get to heaven, it's just going to be exploded into perfection. And I'll be able to live every day. And I won't have to ever argue with anybody about what I want to do and hear them say, no, you won't. I'm going to be able to do the things that God puts in my heart to do forever and ever. And I'm going to serve the Lord out of purity of heart and motive. That's what heaven will be like. And then heaven will be a place of ultimate reality. And let me just dwell on that for a moment and we're finished. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and in Romans 8 that all of us today, as we live our lives, we have a groaning within us. That's what it says. We groan within ourselves. What does that mean? It means that in our hearts, we all know there's something more than what we're experiencing. You know, you have your best day and you revel in it for a moment and then you realize, oh, it's over. <laughs> I watch the NBA playoffs and see how hard these guys work to try to win the NBA title. But you know, they win the NBA title and people hear about it and for about a week, everybody remembers it. And about six months later, you ask them, who won the NBA title last year? They can't remember who it was. They have this ultimate joy for a moment when the confetti comes out of the ceilings and everybody cheers and they have their parade back home and then the excitement and all of it, it just fades away. And sometimes the aftermath of the joy is almost worse than not having had it. The Bible says that we are created as humans with a hunger in our heart that can be satisfied with nothing other than God himself and God's place called the Father's house. And when we get to heaven one day, we're going to realize that God did put eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3. And that eternity is that sense within us that nothing is fully complete till we get to heaven. And here's the interesting thing about it. God made us that way on purpose. He made us so that we could never be fully realized in this earth. We were not made to be fully actualized on the earth. Some of you, as I have, have traveled abroad, and you have been in other cultures, and it's fun to go there, but have you ever noticed how uneasy you feel while you're there? You don't know the language, you don't know the culture, you don't know how to order anything, you don't know how to tell people where you want to go, and you just sort of feel, you know, you're there, you're enjoying the scenery, you're glad you went, but you know this is not home. That's the way it is for us. How many of you know this world is not our home? We're just passing through. Our home is in heaven. Our home is the Father's house. And the reason we feel so uncomfortable sometimes down here, and so out of sorts, and especially if you're Christians, you sort of feel like, you know, why do I... Listen, you're not home yet. But when you get home, when you get to heaven, eternity's going to click in, and you're going to realize, this is what I was created for. This is what God made me for, to know this ultimate joy, this ultimate reality of heaven. And it won't be something that fades out in the day that follows, but it will be something that grows and appreciates and becomes better and better as you live out through eternity. There'll never be any disappointment. There'll never be any, oh, I wish it were like it used to be. It will always be better than it was. And ever and ever, the fulfillment of God in our hearts. 
God loves you and he wants you to be with him forever. I'll tell you what, I'm ready to go to heaven anytime God wants me there. I'm sure he knows when that is. He doesn't tell me and I'm glad for that because I'm like the little boy who was in class one day and the teacher said, how many of you want to go to heaven when you die? And everybody raised their hand but a little boy sitting in the back row. And the teacher went back there and she said, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? Oh, he said, yeah, when I die, but I thought you were getting up a load for today. No, 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 I don't want to go today. I'm anxious to be here as long as I can. I'll tell you one of the reasons why, I hope you'll hear my heart in this. I want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. That's what radio and television is all about. That's what the magazines are all about. That's what church is all about. That's what witnessing and events and arenas and all the stuff. It's all about this thing. I want to take as many people to heaven as I can. I want to tell them about Jesus and let them know how great that place is. Amen? And that ought to be our heart. We ought not to just be happy that we're going there. We ought to be so amped up about it that we want to tell everybody how great it is and how they can get there and not miss that place we've been talking about today. That place of ultimate residence and ultimate rejoicing and ultimate recognition and ultimate relationships and ultimate responsibility and ultimate reality. That's heaven. That's the Father's house. And the only way you can get there is through Jesus Christ. Jesus one day said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to the Father's house unless you go through Jesus. He's the only one who can get you there. You can't get there by your own good works. You can't get there by going to church. You can't get there by being a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Catholic or a Mormon or any other kind of religious thing. You can only get there through Jesus. And he's come to this earth to be like you and like me. Walked among us for those years and then ultimately went to the cross and paid the penalty for all of our sin. And now he says, if you will accept my sacrifice on the cross and allow it to be the full payment for all the sin you've committed in your life or ever will commit, then you can be born again and you can become a citizen of heaven. All of us who are on our way to heaven aren't going there because we're good. We're going there because we realize that one day Jesus invited us to come. It's going to be a party like you won't believe. And we're all invited, but only if you accept the invitation to get to go. I have been so excited to be studying the love of God for these weeks. But here's the thing that kind of hangs into my heart right now. I've been telling you how much God loves you. I've been telling you that he loves you, that he always has, that he always will, and that's true. But maybe I haven't told you enough that you don't get that love unless you receive it. Don't say, Dr. Jeremiah just told me how much God loved me. It was so great. No, 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 no. If that's all you hear, if that's all you understand from these messages, you're going to miss it. God loves you, that's true. But he wants you to receive that love by receiving his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into your heart. Are you willing to do that? Are you just going to let this kind of wash off your mind today and say, oh, I'll do that sometime? I hope you won't. You know, it's like what happens um, when we get together for Christmas and we get all these wonderful presents and we can say, what a beautiful present. I love the wrapping paper and the bow is exquisite. Open the present. And we don't have any trouble with that, do we? Especially when we're young and children don't open the present. They attack the present, rip the paper off of it. God has offered us this incredible gift of love and he's simply asking us to receive it 
open that present and receive what God wants you to have. The son of his love. That's one of the names that is given to the Lord Jesus in the Bible. Accept the son of his love into your heart. Receive him as your savior. Thank him for coming to die for you and tell him that you're sorry for your sin. You confess your sin and you want to be a Christian. You want him to come and live within your life. He will never turn anyone away. He's not willing that any should perish, the scripture says. So today, if you've never done this before, will you trust him? Will you open your heart to receive him, accept him as your Lord and Savior? He wants you to be with him. He doesn't want you to miss heaven. I don't want you to miss it either. One of my goals in life is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. I know I'm going myself. I've made my reservation. And I'm working as hard as I can to let everybody know there's a place for you in heaven if you will simply accept Jesus Christ. Do it today. Make that one of the beginning points of your new year. Start this year with Christ in your heart. And friends, don't forget, one of the things you can do that will strengthen you in your walk with the Lord is to get a copy of this book that we're making available during the month of January. It's a book by Nancy DeMoss. It's called Heaven Rules. It's written for you and for this particular time when things seem unraveled on this earth and we're overwhelmed with life. There is one in heaven who is in control. He rules. Heaven rules. Get in on that beautiful secret by reading this book and it's yours for the asking when you send your gift today. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here on Turning Point. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. In 1973, the world-famous psychiatrist Carl Menninger wrote a book entitled Whatever Became of Sin. He felt that modern man was blaming his failures on everything except what is often the root cause, that being sin. 
If whatever became of sin was a good question in 1973, it's an even better question now. Dr. George Peters, the famous missionary scholar, pointed out that sin is missing from only four chapters in the Bible, the first two and the last two. Everywhere else in the Bible, sin and God's remedy for sin through Jesus Christ is the central theme. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's remedy for sin on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.